Okay, for our next message, we may be here for a while looking at this. <laughs> this is a warning. Our next message is going to be brought to us by Mr. David Hope. It is entitled, God Made the Public Statement with Miracles 14,560 Times. Thank you, Mr. Witt. Good afternoon, everyone. I didn't catch what he said. I've only got one hearing aid in today. The other one's in the shop. And so I hope it was something had to do with today. Anyway, I appreciate everybody being here. It's kind of a bad hair day today, isn't it? Some of us have to really worry about it. I don't know. After listening to Mr. Gregory talk about Mr. Crudence and his statistics and his numbers and all that, you know, uh, he had, what, a over a thousand or so words, and I've got 14,560. I, I may be on the verge of, <laughs> my wife wonders sometimes why my eyes keep going around in circles, and it may be that what it is. How many times, I'm going to ask a few questions, or make a few statements. How many times in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament of the Bible, is it ever said, or even implied, that the seventh day Sabbath has been changed or done away. Can you think of any time it's ever been said or implied? We know people that have implied that. Statement number one I'm making. Uh, many people think that it really doesn't make any difference, and I think a lot of you have heard that it didn't make any difference which day you observe the Sabbath. And, and uh, we could all get into a hairy argument if that's what we really wanted to do, but most of us keep out of it, or I do anyway, for the most part. Some people think the time has been lost, and no one knows which day it is anyway, so what, what difference does it make? And uh, I fit in that category of almost about 50 years ago this time when we were contemplating coming into the church, and I was really hoping that the time had been lost. You know, if time had been lost and the seven-day cycle had been lost, you know, if I want to keep Wednesday and keep that holy and I do it sincerely, you know, I'm just as just as confident as any of you should be. But needless to say, I did a lot of research, like some of you did, and, but that's, not another, that's another subject. I won't go too far on that. Some say that in the New Testament, the day of worship has been changed from seventh day Saturday, Sabbath, to the first day Sunday, and Sunday is now called the Lord's Day. And I think somebody mentioned that earlier. Sunday is the Lord's Day, as they say. Some claim that Jesus gave power to the church to bind and loosen and change any doctrine. So if you can't find it in the Bible, some people think that uh, they have the power to do that according to the Bible. And whatever they change and bind on earth will be changed and bound in heaven. We've heard that. We've heard people say that. And that's another subject. I'm not going to get into that particular part today, I have some in the past, some of the others have too, and maybe will again, because we have, uh, over the years, we've had people that haven't been here before, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we gave some of these other messages, so it's good sometimes to rehash some of those things, uh, and I'll, I'll ask another question, is it really that easy to override God's commandments, you know, all the things that people say and do, is it really that easy to change and override God. Today, I want to answer the first statement that I made above that 
that I made in the introduction that shows that it does. I want to show that it does make a difference to God which day he wants his people to keep holy and to rest on and to not work on and the day that he sanctified and set it apart. The other two or three statements I made, I'm not going to get into today so much. I'll just get those sometimes out. Uh, God, and I'll repeat the uh, title here, God made this public statement with miracles 14,560 times. Can anybody have any ideas what that might come up to? And it's not to test your ignorance or smarts or anything else. It's just one of those things that I uh, kind of stumbled onto one time. And it's up for discussion. You know, we can, we can give, a, give a little bit of maybe 2,000 off on that a little bit if you really need to. But, but I'm sticking with 14,560 for my prime number. Here's a little history of what, what I'm talking about. God had just taken the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Now we're getting close. The people had forgotten which day the Sabbath, or had forgotten basically the Sabbath altogether that God gave to Adam and Eve right there in the creation week. And, Mo, and a lot of us think and feel that the patriarchs back in the old days, even before Moses, kept that too. There have been messages on that. But the people of Israel, when they've been in there for, what, 300 years or whatever it was, they had forgotten a lot of stuff. God had to show them repeatedly which day he chose as holy. God showed which days were holy and all, that, and all of that by miracles. And he also showed which day was not holy without proof. Breaking in, this happened about, or what I'm fixing to start at was, Approximately two weeks before the Israelites, after they came out of Egypt, uh, roughly two weeks before they went to Mount Sinai and where the Ten Commandments were given in Exodus 20, because we'll be going, first of all, to Exodus 16th chapter, which in my Bible comes before Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are. So this, this stuff happened before God actually told Moses to give them all the other Ten Commandments. I'm going to read, uh, start with uh, from 16, verse 1 through 13. And I will pause once in a while because I get huffing and puffing and mouth dries out. Anyway, Exodus 16, verse 1. And they took their journey, talking about the Israelites, from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we died in the hand of the or died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full and here they're complaining they forgot how rough they had it for you have brought us 
forth to this land or to this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly, you know, mob mentality. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my way or in my law or not. So God's going to prove and decide and see whether the people want to obey him or not. Verse 5, And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel, At even then you shall know that the Lord had brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he hears your murmurings against the Lord, and what you or, or what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord hears, hears your murmurings, which you murmur against him, and what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So Moses was having to take a lot of flack. And Moses spoke unto Aaron, saying to the congregation, or say to the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hears your murmurings. And it shall come to pass, at, pass as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And, Mo, and the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speaking to them saying at even you shall eat flesh. So he's going to give them some meat I guess to eat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And the children of Israel saw it, and they said to one to another, It is manna, for they knew not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has, uh, has given you to eat. I'm going to go uh, break away from this for a little bit, and I'll come back, and you'll get the idea, Oh, well, they're going to have meat all the time, you know. But uh, there's kind of a parallel account in... Uh, Numbers 11th chapter, and we'll go over there and read it for a little bit. Numbers the 11th chapter. Eleven verse one through thirty-four, and when the people complained, see, we're kind of getting a little bit of a different take on it, but still the same thing. And when the people Complain, it displeased the Lord, and it, and the Lord heard it, and, he, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. 
So it made him pretty mad, and he probably thought about the uh, fires we're having out in California. And I don't know how much saying that made them mad, made God mad, but you know, that on the peripheral out in the uh, areas, uh, the peripheral of the camp out here, there was fire. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabereth, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting. And the mixed multitude here, and some of the commentaries will say different things. Uh, let me see if I had anything. I thought I had something. Uh, it, it, one of them even said rip wrath. You know, some of the lower class people uh, said a mixed multitude. And there were people that came out with the children of Israel that weren't Israelites. Some of the um, uh, Egyptians and some of the other people uh, kind of tagged along with them. Some of them, uh, it says strangers, or, and can even be the mongrel, you know, just some uh, deadbeat people, so to speak, uh, some freeloaders. They felt, uh, you know, they probably didn't do too well in Egypt, and they felt like, well, I'm going to go out here and go to this promised land. I've heard people talk about this promised land, and things aren't going well for me here, so I'm just going to tag along with these Israelites, and because you know, they've got money, you know, they pilfered, not pilfered, but, you know, people pretty well paid them to get out. So you, you had some people in here that, uh, you know, they were they were users. They wanted to get on the skirts. and But the thing is, they're like uh, a lot of people here in this country. Let me just read the verse. And a mixed multitude was among them, fell a-lusting, so they started it. And the children of Israel also wept again, and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? And it's almost like the, the uh, mob mentality. Even in Tulsa not long ago, they shipped people in from out of state to come in and protest against some of the things that were going on in Tulsa. And got so many more of our uh, Tulsa people in the uproar, you know, the people that already lived here. And the news media picked it up, and then it was throughout the United States, you know. They're, they're about to have a riot here. And uh, a lot of outsiders came in. And so some of the outsiders kind of promoted this idea against Moses and them. In verse 15, or 5, I'm sorry. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. Well, they're really painting a good picture. This is really nice. We had it. And the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna. You know, they really talk about how bad this manna is. And, and you'll read it. It really wasn't that bad. You know, it was pretty good stuff. Uh, in fact, I'll paraphrase a little bit because it's not in my readings. Uh, you know, it was good enough that their uh, feet didn't swell for 40 years. You know, their clothes didn't wear out. So, so it was, it's pretty good. Anyway, but they were really downplanted. But now our soul is dried away, and oh, nothing but this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as a coriander seed, and the color thereof as a color of bedellum. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it. There's a lot of things they could do. Ground it, beat it in the mortar, and baked it in pans, made cakes of it. So a very, very flexible food that they had. And the taste of, and the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. So they had a fresh batch of this stuff every, you know, every so often. 
And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their family, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. So, you know, you give your children things and you think you're doing something good to them, then they complain about it. You know, I know uh, a person was telling us the other day, telling my wife that uh, they've got a couple of young kids and I guess they still believe in Santa Claus and, and they were complaining about the plight that they were in, you know. Well, the only, I wish we weren't so poor because the only good gifts I get is from Santa Claus. And the husband was at work and the wife, it just really got to her. She was, you know, really stressed out here. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, Santa Claus didn't get you anything. That came from mom and dad. You know, that, and, and, and when the little girl said, the older one said, why did you lie to us, you know? And uh, then, then the wife went ahead and said, and besides that, there's no Easter Bunny. And there's no Tooth Fairy. <laughs> I mean, she just really unloaded them, you know. But, you know, they thought they were doing good to the kids, getting them gifts and all of that, and Christmas presents and everything. And uh, ungrateful, you know, ungrateful. And Moses said unto the, Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore have you afflicted your servant? He'll talk about himself. You know, you really did me bad, God. And wherefore have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of this people upon me? You know, they ain't my kids. I didn't bring them here. He says, Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? that you should say unto me, carry them in your bosom as a nursing father, you know, like a little baby, you know, you be nice to them, and the suckling child unto the hand which you swear unto their fathers. He said, these aren't my kids, you know, you gave them to me. Which should I have flesh, you know, where am I going to get flesh to give to the people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. Well, you know, where's the beef? I want some food. Feed uh, food. I am not able to bear all of this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if you deal thus with me, kill me. You know, get me out of my misery and out of their misery too. I pray you out of hand, if I have found favor in your sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. You know, get, get rid of this horrible stuff that you're putting upon me, God. This is a lot. And the Lord said unto Moses, see if I want to read that far. Yeah, I guess I do. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with you. So he's going to give Moses some help. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take the take of the Spirit which is upon you, and I'm assuming a part of God's Holy Spirit, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you bear it not yourself alone. And saying to the people, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh, for you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it is well with us in Egypt, for it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. And you shall not eat one day, 
nor two days, nor five days. It sounds like one of these TV salesmen, you know, wait, you think that's good? Well, wait, you know, we're going to add this to it, and we're going to add that to it. You know, you're not going to eat just five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but a whole month you're going to eat, you know, just for the price of 19.95, and you're going to eat. Oh, never mind, he didn't say that, but I'm going to give it to you for a whole month. But even the whole mouth, oh no, but even a whole month until it comes out your nostrils. And it be loathsome to you because that you have despised the Lord which is among you and have kept or have wept before him saying, why came we out of Egypt? So God, you know, saying what they've been saying. And Moses said, the people among whom I am 600,000 600, footmen, you have said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. He said, there's 600,000 just to the men themselves, not counting the women and children, and you're going to, and I'm going to give them food to eat? You know, how am I going to do it? I don't even have magic tricks. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them? to suffice them, or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? So Moses is getting a little bit sarcastic, I guess. I think he's frustrated, and you know. And, uh, and the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand, and we've read this in other places too, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? You shall see not, or you shall see now, my words shall come to pass unto you or not, or see whether it will come to pass. So God says, my hand too short, and other places he said similar things. Verse 24, And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people, and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud, and spoke unto him, and the to him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders and it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them they prophesied and, and did not see so it sounds a lot like the day of Pentecost in a way but there remained two of the men in the camp the name of one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad and the spirit rested upon them and they were of them that were written, but went not out to the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And this is not too much different than a lot of times when uh, we're asking for prayer for someone. Sometimes even uh, we, you may request a, an anointed cloth from one of our ministers, you know, to take to one of your loved ones or something. And uh, they don't necessarily have to be in that presence for God to intervene. You know, we're, we're uh, uh, instructed to call for the elders of the church if we want to be healed. But sometimes just for the uh, asking it itself, you know, and just like, uh, uh, I don't have the situation right off hand, but the person asked Jesus to heal, I think, his daughter. And, uh, and you know, and he was healed from that very hour, and it was, you know, a long ways off. So what I'm saying is you don't have to necessarily in every case be in the presence of God or be in the presence of the ministry for the prayers to be answered. And, and this proves here that, you know, there were two men out in the, in the camp for some reason didn't come in with the others. 
And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses forbid them. It's kind of like the apostles, you know, trying to ask Jesus to forbid, you know, these other people from uh, preaching his name. And Moses said unto him, Envy you for my sake? Would that God that all Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So Moses really would, would have been fine with everyone having his spirit. That would have been great. It would have been a lot easier to deal with. Verse 30, And Moses get him to the camp, and the elder, he and the elders of Israel. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quail from the sea, and let them fall, upon, fall by their camp, as it were a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side. I mean, there were quail everywhere, or day's journey everywhere you went. And it, was, and it was pretty thick. Round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high and the face of, uh, upon the face of the earth. So it was pretty, pretty deep, you know. Uh, it was enough of, in fact, they had to work a long time. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. Whew. A lot of reading, huh? We'll get through it a little bit. Uh, anybody guessed what the... what? 16,000, wouldn't I say? I don't even remember my own figures now. Uh, how many, what the thousands are? Got to figure it out. What, 14,500 some? Okay, in verse 33, that was breaks over. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, even before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And here's why. And he called the name of the place Kibroth Hath. Anyway, we read all these things in Bible study, and we just got sometimes we just <laughs> we know what we're reading. Anyway, because they were buried, no, no, because they, no, because there they buried the people that lusted. So they, you know, they didn't even wait for it to get done. They, they were just really gluttonous people, and God didn't like that. And the people journeyed from Kibothroth, Hathitech, a vacuum, anyway, <laughs> and Hazroth, and abode at Haziroth. Anyway, I'm going to get off of that part. And I'm going to go back now to um, um, Exodus, where I was a while ago, and finish up reading over there. And, Basically, I just went here just to give you a little bit of a, of a indication that, you know, people will say, well, uh, they had flesh, too. Some people have the idea that they had quail, you know, all the time they were out there. They didn't. They had it for a month, or they ate it for a month. And uh, I don't think it says how often the quail came there. I'm assuming it was one time, and they knew how to treat it, you know, and to tan, uh, not tan it, but, uh, you know, dry it out and make jerky out of it or whatever, but, uh, and, and then, of course, in the spring, early summer, too, it probably didn't spoil too quick anyways, but anyway, but they had enough that they ate a month, and it was coming out their nose, and they were sick of it, 
Now we'll go back to uh, Exodus 16, and I'm going to pick up uh, the verse that I left off a while ago. I'm going to repeat verse 13. And it came, and it came to pass at the even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew lay, or, or when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, the face of the wilderness, no, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as a small as a hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, like I read over there in uh, um, Numbers a while ago, it is manna, for they knew not what it was. And that's what the word means. What's it? What is it? And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you. Even though it wasn't bread yet. I mean, it was, you know, they could beat it and, and cook it and fry it and do whatever they wanted to. This is the thing which the Lord commanded Gather of it every man according to his eating. If you're a big eater, you know, you may want to gather a little more. Uh, according to his eating. And over for every man according to the number of your persons. Take you every man for them which are in his tents. And I seem like I remembered uh, that the omer was what a, almost a gallon, I think it is. Seven, seven eighths of a gallon, uh, seven pints or Anyway, I, I should have been a little more accurate on that. Uh, but anyway, it, it, you know, a certain amount every day. And the verse 17, And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it or beat it up and doing all the stuff they do and ground it with an omer, or measured it, I guess what that is. The old King James sometimes, if you're not familiar with those words. I measured it with an omer. He that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave it until the morning. Now here's where some of the test comes in. Leave it, leave it not until the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them, hard-headed people, you know, rebellious, but some of them left it until the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank, and Moses was angry with them. So, you know, some of them may have said, well, you know, I may want a midnight snack or something. I'm just going to save a little bit of it because I know I get hungry at night, and, and uh, so I'm just going to put some under my pillow or under my bed or something, and and, and maybe they forgot about it, and they come in, mother comes in the morning, and says, man, what's that smell? You know, it's really, and starts making a bed or whatever, and then they see these maggots crawling around from that manna, you know, that they were not supposed to lay over. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. So if you're the type that wants to stay up all night and watch TV and and, and sleep all day, which they didn't have TV then, I don't know what they did, you know, played the ropes or something, I don't know what they did, but, uh, you know, you better get up and get around because if it gets too late, you know, it's gone, you know, that stuff's going to melt. Verse 22, and it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, 
two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, oh, you know what these people do? Some of these people are gathering too, twice as much. Yeah, well, that's what they're supposed to do. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord said, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that which you will see to will see, and that which remaineth over lay oh, remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And some of them said, Oh no, I know what happened. I got in trouble because that stunk, you know. My it got in my shoes, even my shoes stunk. But anyway, uh, and it, okay. And they laid it up until the morning as Moses bade them, and it did not stink. Why? Didn't stink. Neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. There ain't going to be none. You know, there's not going to be any manna in the field today. And it came to pass that there went out some, on, some of the people on the seventh day together, and they found none. Hmm, no stuff. But that, it didn't happen long enough to be a habit anyway. They, I, I don't know what they thought. But anyway, and, Moses, and the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day, listen to this, he gives you on the sixth day the bread for two days. There's twice as much. Not that they gathered twice as much, they did, but there was twice as much that day. On, on the day before the Sabbath, there was twice as much. Abide you every man in his place and let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the Lord, oh, and the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like a coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like uh, wafers made with honey. It couldn't have been all that bad. I like honey. I, you know, I even had honey on my waffles this morning, you know. I, I love honey. And, and you know, Land flowing with milk and honey, that's good. Honey's a good thing, unless you're diabetic and you eat too much of it. And Moses said, this is a thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generation, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. So we remember the story when they put it in the Ark of the Covenant and, and kept that manna down through the years and Aaron's rod and all that. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And here's, here's a very important thing. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years. Forty years until they came into the land inhabited, they did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Cana. Now, uh, an omer is a tenth part of an ephah. Okay. Now, let's do the math. 
And I was telling uh, Brian Rick earlier, I wished I was good with a computer where I could do some graphics up here. Uh, it, it's a lot more impressive, I think, if you can do that, but you'll have to do some of the stuff in your head or, or if you got a pencil or something, rather do it. But do the math. Okay, I will make a statement. There were two kinds of manna, remember? There was one kind that if you lay it up and keep it overnight, it gets worms and it stinks. And then there was another kind that didn't stink. You could leave it on the Sabbath and it didn't stink and it didn't get worms. And also that particular kind, I'm going to call that high octane manna. You know, high octane. You call it fortified or whatever, you know. It, it had, I don't know if God didn't have the right, uh, maybe he had good preservatives in it, but anyway, that manna didn't spoil and it would last. So there was a high octane manna and there were twice as much of that manna. Twice as much of that special hybrid, I mean high grade, uh, high octane manna. Okay. Regular manna came five days a week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they didn't call it that. They call them the days, the numbers of that. Five days, you know, in a week. I mean, seven days in a week, and they didn't call them that, but they did call, have a name for the Sabbath. Okay, five, five days a week, they had regular manna that would spoil and stink and all of that. It wouldn't last. Okay? If you did that, and, and, and I'm saying it was a miracle. I'm think, saying God made a statement here that I'm going to show you something. And he did it five days that week. And if he did it every day, I mean every week for a year, and you know, we can round things off to 52 weeks a year, no matter how you do your calendars, they're still going to come out fairly close. Five days times 52 weeks is 260 days that God made regular manna and put it down here on the earth. Okay? On the sixth day, which was on Friday, our Friday, there was a high-octane manna, the kind that didn't spoil, didn't get worms, and he did that one day every week for a year, and that's 52 times. How many times in the New Testament or any other time have you seen anything that refers to breaking, keeping, you know, not doing the Sabbath, but changing the Sabbath? You know, we're, we've, we, you know, we're, there's eight places in the New Testament they use, and I'm getting far ahead of myself, but there's eight places in the New Testament that, that uh, people try to claim, you know, this is Sunday worship, things have been transferred, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But 52 times added to the 260 times. And okay, now we've got the double portion of it. And depends on how you want to juggle your figures, you know, if you want to count that or leave it out or whatever. But I'm counting it. A double portion of that. No worms. It didn't stink for 52 times a year. Once a week. That's 52 times a year. Okay. And that's a total of miracles 365 times in one year. That's almost one, one miracle a day. 365 times a year. Okay. 
the total miracle statements God made in 40 years concerning the Sabbath. That's, that's what we're building up to. We had regular manna that bred worms and stunk 260 times a year times 40 years. What does that come up to in your imagination? I mean, your figures. I've got 10,400 times that God gave regular manna a miracle that had happened. The double portion was 52 times a year times 40 years. That's 2,080 miracles, statements that God made that this is the preparation day. And the leftover manna that didn't stink and didn't get worms was 52 times a year, you know, once a week, 40 years, 2,080 times. Bottom line, you can look out your tent if you were an Israelite or if it was happening today. You could look out your tent door any day of the week and you could tell if it is the Sabbath. You could tell by looking. Now, we can't do that now. But you could look out, your, they could look out their tent any day and say, this is or is not the Sabbath. And the way that they could tell the Sabbath was how? Just visually, there wasn't any out there. You know, there just wasn't any manna out there. You could tell any day of the week, any day of the year, that this is or is not the preparation day. Friday, the sixth day. You could look out there and say, well, that's a little deeper than what it was, you know, yesterday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, and Monday. I think maybe this is the preparation day. I better get up and get around, and, and I've got a little extra work to do. I've got to, I've got to make, I've got to gather two owners of that, and I'm going to have to work enough and cook it today and get it ready for tomorrow. So you can look out to your tent door any day and say, this is the preparation day or it's not the preparation day. You know, a lot of times you say, well, what is it? Is this Thursday? This is Friday? Or what, what is today? Well, they, they can look out and sell. And they could look out their tent any day of the week and, and think, well, they, they wouldn't necessarily know that it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but they, they could tell that it's not a preparation day, that it's not uh, a Sabbath day. So that's 14,560 miracles to show when God's Sabbath is to be kept. And like I said, we can juggle things around a little bit. If you don't like, you think I'm exaggerating or something, we'll, we can knock off some of the stuff in here and still come up with about 12,480 miracles that God did, you know, however we want to juggle it. And that won't come close. I mean, what, what are scholars, I mean, what are uh, scoffers that try to push the first day of the week and, you know, and, and they're, they're sincere people. I know they're sincere. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to down them. But if they look at the Bible themselves and look and see what the Bible says and not what their teachers say, not what the commentaries tell them, not what so-called experts tell them, but what the Bible tells them, they will come to the same conclusion to what we're coming to, that there's no proof. Proof. Uh, I gave a message, oh, what, a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, and uh, I even had, uh, uh, I didn't have handouts, but some people wanted copies of it, 
uh, people from uh, prominent churches, prominent Catholics, prominent Baptists that would tell you there's absolutely no proof in the Bible that, you know, but anyway, that's another subject and we can get into that, but I'm kind of digressing a little. Uh, you know, God could have, could have fed the Israelites in any number of ways. And I imagine you could probably think of, well, how would I feed them, you know, if I didn't want to make a statement like that? You know, God did that because he wanted to make a statement. He wanted facts. There are a lot of ways. I, I, I came up with a, a couple of them. There's a lot of them, but I just, just for the sake of uh, diversity and, and uh, um, uh, just give you a little bit of example. Um, I'm going to First uh, Kings 17 chapter. First Kings 17 chapter, and I'm just going to break in some areas here. Uh, 17 verse 1 through 6. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabit was of the inhabitants of Gilead and unto Ahab as the Lord God of Israel live before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word like I said I'm just breaking into a subject here and the word of the Lord came to him saying to Elijah um, saying get you there, or get you hence and turn you eastward and hide yourself in a brook, uh, Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Remember, Moses said, Well, what are you going to do? Have all the fish to jump out? You know, they're going to have to kill all the cattle. You know, you've got some secret ways you can do it. He said, I, I have already done this, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he did, uh, so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So God couldn't feed and could have fed the children of Israel any way he wanted to do. He just you know, there were so many ways, and I imagine you could come up with a way that might be pretty, uh, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say uh, far-fetched, but you could come up with some ways. Uh, one more example, since we're right here real close, this other example is real close, I don't have to go too far to find it. First uh, Kings 19th chapter, still talking about Elijah. First Kings 19 and 1 through 8. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain the prophets of the, with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do, do to me and more so also if I make not your li life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at the same time. So he, she, she's telling him, I'm going to kill you. You know, you kill these prophets, I'm going to kill you also. And uh, so just stay put, and I'll be there, you know, and I'll get you tomorrow. And when he saw that, he, he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey 
into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die here. <laughs> you know, Moses wanted God to kill him and, uh, you know, Elijah wanted to die too. You know, this is just a lot. So if you ever get to a situation, don't do it. But, you know, if you feel like you want God to take your life, just hang in there a little bit and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, keep, he'll keep you. Anyway, he die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on coals and a curse of water at his head. Wow, boy, isn't that room service way out there in the... Uh, the hills like that and he did eat and drink and laid him down again you know so he was depressed and he ate and you know enough to make him sleepy and and you know he, you know depressed people they don't they, they want to sleep a lot and the angel of the lord came again the second time and touched him probably slugged him a little bit patted slapped him on the face and said arise and eat because the journey is too great for you you know you've got a long ways to go buddy and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the amount of God. So another time, you know, God fed him supernaturally. God can do those things. And he did do those things. <coughs> uh, excuse me. My next scripture, there's, there's, there's so many of them that, it, you know, uh, time wouldn't allow us to, do, to go through all of them. But I, I will go to a few now here in the New Testament. Go to John 6 chapter. This is kind of conjecture on my part. John, the sixth chapter, verse uh, 47 through 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna, so he's referring to the legitimacy of the manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a, man, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. My point is on reading this. If Jesus is the bread of life, do you think he would use anything other than the regular Sabbath? Would Jesus say, well, you know, you, you, you can worship me on another day now. I'm the bread of life, and, and, I, and I'm, you know, let, let's just pick out, or you can just pick out the, the, the day that uh, the sun god is worshipped on, not that all of the, these people are doing that, but in reality, that is the day that they, they chose. 
I don't think that Jesus would use anything other than the context that the manna is in on the Sabbath. I'm the bread of life. Uh, you know, you may find an uh, exception to that, uh, but I don't. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12. And 1 through 12. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, talking about the Red Sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat that the same spiritual meat, and all did drink the same spiritual rock, for they drank that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these were our... So these were our examples, all including the Sabbath was our example, to the intent that we, the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be you idolaters, as some of them were, and we're being, uh, being idolaters if we choose another day, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up and to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you, and see these are our examples, we shouldn't be being too negative with things. Neither murmur you as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happening to them for examples and they are written for our admonition even the manna that didn't spoil even the day that the manna didn't even show up all of these 14,560 uh, miracles were for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come Wherefore, let him that take, thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. These things were for our examples upon the ends of the earth. We'll go back briefly to the Old Testament over to uh, uh, Deuteronomy 8th chapter. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 1 through uh, 3, very short. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in, the, go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you for 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you, just like he's proving us today, 
to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So God knows our heart. He knows what, whether we're conning him or trying to con ourselves. And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know. And listen to this, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, or mouth of the Lord does man live. And we, you know, that, that saying is a number of places in the New Testament, Old Testament, both. That we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And if the Lord didn't tell us that the Lord's day is blah, 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 and all the first day of the week, this and that, you know, if he didn't say it plain black and white language, uh, I, I, I have a tendency of not wanting to do what, what they say. I want to be on the safe side and do what God uh, tried to do, what we say, uh, 14,560 statements that God made. Uh, I, you know, uh, I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. And uh, I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm just going to put a plug in uh, for a second. I'm about to wind down. We have a booklet over here in our uh, uh, library thing over here. And we also have it on, uh, uh, you can get it online. People are looking online through the CGOM website or the Church of God website. And we have uh, 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 links to that. And the title of it is, Why Do You Observe Sunday? This is really a good little booklet. It's only about 15 uh, pages long. I've had it for a while. And I took her with me, uh, what was it, yesterday or whatever it was, my wife and I went to her pre-op, you know, and I had to sit there for a couple hours, and it took me about that long to read. But it's really a good good little article. I, if, you know, even if you know what you know, I would still recommend that you get this and, and really know it very well. Uh, I've given a message uh, oh, two or three times over the years. It's been a long time now, along some of the same stuff in here, and I even learned some things from it. Uh, but it's a good book that I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. In fact, I'm thinking about getting some more of them and, and just uh, slipping them down into, you know, the reading stand of some of these doctor's offices. I almost left this one yesterday, and uh, I, I didn't, but I, I think I will. You know, Fran's going to be in the hospital here before too long, and, and a lot of times we visit people in the hospital. You know, all of us do at times, you know. Uh, they want to throw me out? Fine. You know, they threw Paul out. I'm not asking for it. I don't want that. but. Anyway, but yeah, this is a very, very good booklet. I'd really uh, uh, request people, uh, or suggest anyway, for people online or people that hear this message later, uh, you know, check it out. It's, it's a good book, very good, very well written. Uh, one more uh, scripture, Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. He that has an ear to hear, and that's all of us, and all, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. You know, that still has credence even in the last book of the Bible 
the last book of the Bible, Revelation, still puts credence on the, the hidden manna. I don't, I don't know exactly what all that is. I know the, the scholars will have different things, different ideas, and I've, I've studied some of that, the stone and some of the other stuff. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I do know one thing, that there's still credence there, and they're talking about the manna. They're still talking, and in my mind, I know what the manna is. I know that there's uh, so many 2,080 days that they had to do before. I know all of that. I know that God gave us uh, gave the people the, uh, the Sabbath day and distinguished which day that is. And, and uh, the statement God made with the 14,560 miracles of manna is, or the statement he made is, that the seventh day of the week is and will always be God's holy day. <laughs> 